chapter 12. If you're there, uh, remain seated tonight. We're going to look down uh, through the whole chapter, but I'm not going to preach out of the whole chapter, okay? We're going to mainly preach out of verses 9 through verse number 12. Romans chapter 12, we're looking here as the Apostle Paul is giving a lot of the specific duties uh, for the church. There's a lot of good things in Romans 12. Obviously, we pick up in verse 1 and 2, and there's some great things there for us we're not going to have time to preach on tonight. And he goes on down, speaking of how the Christians are members of the same body uh, in verses 3 down to about verse number 8. And finally, we pick up in verse number 9. It really deals with Christian love and fellowship. That's the headings here in my Bible. And we're going to pick up in verse number 9 where the Bible says... Let love be without dissimulation. Abhor that which is evil. Cleave to that which is good. Be kindly affection one to another with brotherly, brotherly love in honor preferring one another. I think we could probably work some of our rules for this upcoming Sunday right there in verse number 10, but we're not. Verse 11, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit. Now watch these last three words, if you will. Verse 11, serving the Lord. Notice a semicolon at the end of that sentence. That means the thought's about to continue in verse 12. Verse 12 is our key text tonight. Rejoicing in hope. Patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. Let's ask the Lord to bless this one more time. Lord, thank you for your word. I pray you bless it tonight. Help us, Lord, do your will in the preaching. Give us wisdom in what to say and help us receive it and respond to it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, the other morning, I believe it was Brother Travis, I believe you sent me this verse uh, in uh, kind of a morning devotional format, and I texted him back, and I said, I want you to know I'm preaching on this verse in a few days. I didn't want him to think that I stole his, uh, stole his thunder from his uh, devotion that he had sent to me. But when you get to verse number 12, if you're a preacher or you're a teacher or somebody who just likes to study out the Bible, it's hard not to see a three-point outline that is there. You see the three things, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. And I was reading through this the other day, and the Lord put something on my heart that I think will work right into our series on advancing in adversity. Uh, this past week, we've been doing a lot of preparation for Sunday, and I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like we're getting ever so close to that finish line to get done with this trial that we've been going through and getting somewhat back to normal. And I was thinking back over the last seven months at all the different things that have transpired. In some ways, it's felt like seven years, hasn't it? It's hard to believe. I mean, March, it seems like March was three years ago when we started all of this. And I remember how resolved we were at the beginning with our hashtag CBC still engaged. And, man, we're resolved and we're excited because we kind of thought, you know what, we're going to grunt this thing out. It's going to be over in a month. And then it went on and on and on, and it's still going on and on. And then came that waiting period, that hard work of waiting. Sometimes waiting is the hardest work you will do. And all of that uncertainty that we're going through. And I remember meeting with our staff. And I said, guys, I said, we've got to keep opportunities in front of our people. We've got to keep Bible studies. We've got to do devotionals online. Let's keep our people engaged as best that we can. Our ladies had Bible studies. And I said, we've got to stay in contact with our people. We've got to keep all of our people focused during this time. And our goal was that we'd have no spiritual COVID casualties. Now, I know we can't prevent all the physical casualties, but my prayer and burden as a pastor was a simple fact that I did not want us to lose people spiritually during this time. Now, I'll be honest with you, that story is yet to be told. That story is yet to be told. I don't know what toll this virus is going to be taking on our church after all is said and done, but I'll tell you, probably the most helpless feeling for a pastor over the past seven months was knowing that a lot of our people, or all of our people, really all of us, were going to have to stand on their own strength. 
That was what scared me the most. You know, when you have regular structure of Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, you kind of have a routine, and it helps you keep your spiritual discipline. You may not walk with God on Tuesdays or Thursdays or Saturdays or Mondays, but you know at least on Sundays and Wednesdays, you're going to have that regular routine of disciplined worship. And one of the things that bothered me was I knew that, look, we're preaching on live stream. There's so many distractions in our home. I mean, you could have easily turned off the phone and watched Wheel of Fortune or something like that. And as a pastor, I just worried and was burdened about our people, wondering, listen, do we have the spiritual strength to weather whatever storm that we're going to about, to, uh, about to go through and that we've continued to go through? You know, I found out that friends can encourage us, and I'm thankful for encouragement from friends. Uh, opportunities, listen, can occupy us. We tried to provide as many opportunities as we could. But, you know, in the end... Encouragement is going to run out of gas. Opportunities can only occupy you so long. And what's going to decide our survival or is surviving our survival is how strong we were spiritually. Your spiritual strength is ultimately going to be the decider of what you become or what you come out of this time of difficulty. Now, don't you think about tonight how important strength is. Three times in Joshua chapter 1, God told Joshua, be strong and courageous. Now, why is he telling that at the very beginning? He's saying, Joshua, your strength is going to be required. Encouragement's great. Being occupied is great. But in the end, whether or not Joshua survived was going to be based on how strong he was spiritually. It's one of my greatest worries as a pastor. I hadn't been here that too terribly long. I didn't know our people very well. I did not know where your strength was. I didn't know how strong you were spiritually. I didn't know after this was all said and done if we would even have a church left. And my prayer was for the strength of our people. We saw all throughout Scripture, 1 Corinthians 16, the Bible says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Be strong. The only way you're going to make it through this is to be strong. And how far you advance in adversity is simply going to be a reflection of your strength. Now listen to that tonight. How far you advance and keep going in the midst of adversity. Listen, it's not necessarily over. Uh, I mean, we have an election in a few days, and this thing could get turned upside down once again. Who knows? There may be more adversity coming. Look, we know before the Lord comes back, it's going to get really bad. So we know there's adversity in front of us, and understand this tonight. How far you advance in adversity is going to be a sole reflection of your strength. It's that foundation, what's really there and who we really are. Uh, I think it was, was it last night we had a volleyball game. Man, I have to tell you, if you've missed our girls playing volleyball this year, you have missed out. Our girls are doing such a good job, and last night was the best game, in my opinion, all year long. Our girls swept the other team, and I'm talking about the other team was a pretty good team. Our girls played as a team, and what was most impressive was I'm standing over against the wall, and I'm watching them play, and it's like 21, 22. They're going back and forth, back and forth. It was last night we had several balls that almost went out of bounds. We had several balls that got up in the net, and I'm thinking, man, it's just going to fall to the ground, and our girls just kept fighting. They just kept fighting. The balls went out of bounds. They bumped it back inbounds. The balls get caught up in the net. They're, they're just diving on the floor. My knees were killing me watching our girls die for those balls. And they never quit. They didn't quit fighting. And I looked at her, I think it was Brother Lapone, and I said, this is where they're going to find out what they're made of. When that score gets close, and you're looking, I mean, it's just next person wins, 24-24. I said, this is where they're going to find out who they are. And, oh, they proved their mettle. And can I tell you tonight, as a Christian, adversity is where we find out who we are. 
Adversity is where we find out how strong we are or how strong we are not. And tonight, I believe we as the people of God need to consider what the source of our strength is. And that's the thought we're going to look at tonight, looking at the source of our strength. I assure you, if the source of your strength has not been what it needs to be, you have found out real quick that your strength is small. Why? Adversity will show us that. In this verse, verse number 12, the Apostle Paul shows us something interesting. Now, here's what he does. Verse 1, all the way down through about verse number 8, he's telling them some things they need to do. Verse 1 and 2, he talks about being a living sacrifice. Verse 3 through 8, he's telling them what they need to do as far as being members of one body. But then he looks down to verse number 12, and he shows them how. The last part of verse 11, the Bible says, serving the Lord. Can I tell you, that's what all of us should desire to do. In the midst of adversity, keep serving the Lord. How do we do that? Verse 12 gives us three things tonight that will show us some sources of strength in the midst of adversity. Let's look at the first one if we could. The Bible says rejoicing in hope. He ends in verse number 11, and he says serving the Lord. How do we do that, Paul? Well, he says in verse 12, rejoicing in hope. Now, I'm going to tell you something tonight. Rejoicing in the midst of adversity And tribulation is not something that's going to come natural, okay? Rejoicing and singing the praise of God and having joy in your heart is not something that's going to be a reflex action in your natural body. But can I tell you something? It is in a supernatural body. Listen, I am saved. My soul is saved. My flesh is not saved. But look, I have the opportunity to live supernaturally. And through the supernatural power that I see receive through what Christ did on the cross, I have the power to rejoice in the midst of adversity. But notice this. Number one tonight, the first point is rejoicing in hope. One of the greatest sources of strength for you in the midst of adversity is to learn to rejoice in your hope. Now, this is very interesting. The word rejoice simply means this, an overflow of praise, an overflow of praise. Think about things you rejoice about. Think about things you talk about and sing praise about. I mean, after a while, your heart builds up and you just overflow with praise. Maybe it's a food. Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a doctor. Maybe it's a favorite drink or something along that line. And after a while, you just, you can't quit talking about it. What's happening? You're overflowing with praise. That's what rejoicing means. But here's what I love. When you look up the word rejoice, you'll find out that it simply means re-joy. Okay? Re-joy. Now stick with me, okay? You can't rejoice until you re-joy. Here's what Paul is saying. Watch close. Paul is saying this. I want you to serve the Lord, verse number 11. How do we do that, Paul? Even in the midst of adversity, rejoice in your hope. He says it's going to become necessary as you serve the Lord, verse number 11, to rejoice or to rejoy. What does re mean? It means go back. Go back. Can I tell you this morning, one of the things that will be uh, this evening, it will be a source of your strength in the midst of adversity Rejoy. Go back to where your joy began. You get out here in the world and you try to have a good attitude and you try to smile and you try to have a good spirit. But I'll tell you, this world will rob you of your joy. Our circumstances will rob us of our joy. Just turn on the news and after a while, your smile gets turned upside down. And you've got the frown on your face. Can I tell you what you need to do as you seek to serve the Lord? You need to learn to rejoice. How do you rejoice? You rejoy. You go back to what gave you your joy to begin with. The other day, my daughter was watching, um, watching my wife and I's wedding video. 
And uh, I don't watch it. I, haven't, I don't know if I've watched the whole thing. Do you know why? Because I sang to my wife. And it sounded horrible. It's like Kermit the Frog down in a 55-gallon barrel. I mean, it was just horrible. And so I don't like listening to it. I mean, fast forward, fast forward. I made my daughter close the bedroom door. I didn't want to hear it. It was just bad. But I poked my head in a little while after I knew the song was over, and I'm watching some of it. And, man, I went right back to that moment where she said, I do, and I said, I do. And that moment that we were joined in wedded bliss and holy matrimony, and there was something stirred up inside of me. I'll be honest with you, there was part of me that convicted a little bit because we so often drift away from that first love, don't we? We do that spiritually. And after a while, you lose your joy. The Apostle Paul says, here's what you need to do. Listen, he says, you need to go back to what brought you joy. The world is going to rob your joy. Adversity is going to take away your joy. And tonight, listen, if you want to advance in adversity, you need to have a source of strength. And you know what the source of our strength is? It's rejoicing. Because if you're not careful, this world is going to siphon all of your joy out. Why is this so important? What does the Bible say in Nehemiah 8? The joy of the Lord is your strength. You see why joy is so important? Turn with me, if you will, tonight. Psalms uh, chapter 137. I want you to see something. I'm not going to hurry through this tonight. But uh, I want you to see this. Psalms 137. And I want you to look down to about, uh, I'll tell you what, let's just look down to verse 1 and we'll start there and read down. Psalms 137, you probably know this one well. If I can get there myself, there we go. Psalms 137, verse 1, the Bible says, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down, yea, we wept when we remembered Zion. They don't sound like they have much joy, do they? Why? Because now they're in Babylon. Boy, do we feel like we're in Babylon right now. Verse 2, we hanged our harps upon the willows in the midst thereof. For there they that carried us away captive required of us a song. And they that wasted us required of us mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. Notice their response. How shall we sing the Lord's song in a strange land? What happened? The circumstances of where they were living had robbed them of their joy. They said, how can we sing? Can I tell you, when you lose your joy, you lose your strength because the joy of the Lord is your strength. This is why Paul is saying, listen to me. As you serve the Lord, you've got to make sure you rejoice in your hope. Go back, rejoice. I'll tell you something, folks. I think it would do all of us good tonight to just have a rejoy day. Let's just take a day off. Let's take an hour off. Take your lunch break and go back to where your joy first began. And that was the day you trusted Christ as your Savior. There's no joy like that. Do you remember that? I remember I left the church the night I got saved. I stopped by my grandmother's house on the way home to tell her I got saved. And I remember that night I went home and wrote a song. It wasn't a very good song as far as, you know, rhyming and, uh, and meter. But, boy, it was a good song doctrinally. The song was basically, my name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Why is it yours? I just kept walking around the house singing that. My name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Why is it yours? I had joy. There's no joy like that. And tonight, can I tell you something? What will help you advance in adversity is to have a good source of strength. And the good source of strength is to read joy. Go back to the place where your joy first began. That's what Paul is telling them. He says, rejoice, rejoicing in hope. Folks, 2020 has been like a sponge. 2020 has robbed all of us of our joy at one point or another. You know, I start my morning 
Every morning I get up, I go turn the coffee pot on, I have a routine. And I turn the coffee pot on, and while the coffee pot's getting heated up, I go in, and I start praying. And me and God, we talk together, and then I get in God's Word. I drink my coffee while I'm reading my Bible. I mean, you're talking about a combo breakfast right there, reading your Bible and drinking coffee. It's so good. And I'm sitting there reading my Bible, and man, I'm getting encouragement from the Word of God. I'm getting strength from the Word of God. I'm getting guidance from the Word of God. I'm getting peace from the Word of God. And man, I just got to smile ear to ear like a possum. And then I show up to work, and you know you have troubles, and you go out, and you're trying to help folks, and all that. And after a while, your smile starts falling off. Next thing you know, you're walking around, and people think you're mad at them. People are asking you, are you mad at me? Did I do, what did I do to them? Miss Leslie, Brother Jeremiah, mad at me about something? No. Look, can I go ahead and insert something here? It's hard for me to remind myself to smile while I'm thinking, okay? So if you ever see me sitting up here, I've had two people tell me I look like somebody from the Russian mafia, two different people. If you ever see me sitting up here and I'm not smiling, it's because I'm thinking. It takes too much brain power to remind myself to smile while I'm thinking about something else, okay? So just understand that I'm, I'm just thinking. But man, sometimes your, your smile gets wiped off your face. Do you know what I have to do? Close the doors on my office and go back to what gave me my joy to begin with. Go back to God's Word and I get strength. Look, instead of eating lunch, why don't we just spin that chair around and bow before a holy God and go talk with him and rejoy a little bit, retool a little bit, get refueled a little bit. Because I'll tell you something, you're going to need it. This world's going to siphon it off of you and siphon it out of you. David said this in Psalms 51. We've got to hurry. In verse number 12, David's at a low place in his life. David says in verse number 12 of Psalms 51, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. What is David needing David says, I need a rejoy. I've got a rejoy. David was at a low place in his life. He didn't have the strength. Read Psalms 51. You talking about a low place, a struggling time. Folks, listen, all of us have struggled during the last six or seven months. And here's David as he struggles. What is he crying for? He says, Restore my joy. He says, I need a rejoy. That's what I need. Can I tell you, you won't rejoice until you rejoy. You go back to where your joy first began, and after a while, you'll find yourself rejoicing again. That's why Israel could not sing. They couldn't rejoice because they had gotten away from what had given them their joy. So number one tonight, the source of our strength that helps us advance in adversity is rejoicing. But wait a minute. This one has a bonus. This is point, one point, uh, point number 1.5, okay? It's a half a point here. Notice what we're rejoicing in, our hope. Rejoice, the Bible says, in our hope. Now, this is good. Folks, can I tell you something? No matter what lay in front of us, as far as adversity and difficulty, there's something better on the other side of it. No matter what. I have a hope. Matter of fact, the Bible says it is an anchor. It's steadfast, and it's sure, and no matter what's between here and my hope, it's, listen, it's nothing compared to what my hope is. And that is what will give you strength to advance in adversity. Your source of hope, your source of strength ought to be the fact that you have a rejoicing in the hope you have in what's on the other side of this adversity. Look, even if it's death, I, I would rather go in the clouds. I told you the cloud route rather than the clod route is the way I'd rather go. But look, if that's in the Lord's will, then even on the other side of death, I have a hope that is steadfast and sure. Now watch this. Oftentimes we misuse the word hope around here. 
You know, hope is a word we use for a wish, really. You know, we're sitting on a deer stand. What are we doing? We're hoping. We're hoping a deer's going to walk by, and we've already designed that deer in our head. We can see what he looks like. And you're sitting there, and you're thinking. I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking it. Lord, my neighbor doesn't go to church. He doesn't live right. He doesn't do right. And he killed a big deer the other day. So, Lord, can't you give me one too? Look, I may not be much better than him, but at least I show up to church from time to time. And you're sitting there, and you're hoping, you're hoping a big deer is going to walk by. That's a wish. All right? That's a wish. I want you to know tonight that our hope, it's not a wish. I'm not wishing that I'm going to get to spend eternity in heaven with him. I have a, listen, an assurance. I have a certain hope. And listen, what our strength tonight to continue to advance in the midst of adversity to serve the Lord. You know what it is? Our source of strength is our hope. I'm rejoicing in my hope. Why? Because my hope is on the other side of whatever we're going to go through. I have a confident expectation. That's what my hope is. I'm not just wishing. Hebrews 6 says it's an anchor for the soul, both sure and steadfast. Doesn't sound like a wish, does it? You know, when you throw that anchor out in a boat, you're not saying, man, I wish it would work. You're drifting toward Niagara Falls, and you throw it out. You say, I I sure wished I had an anchor that worked. No, you throw it out. You're throwing it out with the hope it's going to grab, and it's going to save you from going over the waterfall. And the Bible says that's what kind of hope we have. It's an anchor that's sure and steadfast, and that should be our source of strength. You see, here's what the devil wants you to do. The devil wants you to focus on what took your joy and what took your hope. And God wants you to focus on who gave it to you. All right? Watch close. The devil wants you to focus on all that's going on that has drained your hope and your joy out of you. And God says here through the Apostle Paul, rejoicing in hope. Never forget the one who gave it to you. And you go back and you re-hope. It's like refueling. Can I ask you how far could you go if you ignore the dummy light on your car that tells you to put gas in your tank? Used to, my truck was 41 miles. I can tell you that because I ran it out many times. You're trying to look at that little white bar there with the needles at, and you're thinking, how far below that can I go? Well, you can drive for a little while, but after a while, you're going to run out of gas. You're not going to make it very far. Folks, how far do you think you can go in your Christian life without rejoying every once in a while? Go refuel. You say, well, how do I do that? Go back to your hope. Your hope. Listen, what's on the other side of this adversity is way better than the adversity itself. You're, listen, you can plow right on through it. Why? Because you have a hope that is steadfast, it's, a, it's sure, and it's an anchor. So number one, what does Paul say? Serving the Lord, verse 11, verse 12. How do we do that? By rejoicing in hope. Number two, the Bible says here, rejoicing in hope and then patient in tribulation. Now this is really neat. He says here, I want you to rejoice in hope. It's very important you get that one down first. God put these in the order that he did for a reason, rejoicing in hope and then being patient in tribulation. He says in verse 11, serving the Lord, number two, with patience and tribulation. Now, there's an implication here I want you to see. The implication is that in their service to the Lord, there's going to be tribulation. Do we see that? All right, we see that, right? He says, be patient in tribulation. He's saying, anticipate it, don't avoid it. The temptation for us when we see trouble is, listen, to avoid it and go around it to get away from it. But oftentimes, in order to avoid adversity, you have to get out of the will of God. I've seen people do that. I saw a sign the other day on Highway 59 North, and it simply said this, steer, don't veer. Steer, don't veer. Anybody seen that one? It has to do with deer. It has to do with deer. It says, steer, don't veer. 
You see a deer in the road now. Look, I know we got some rednecks in our church, so they see a deer in the road. They don't veer. Uh, you're going to hit it so you can bring it home, okay? Uh, but most folks, they see that deer. What's the first thing you want to do? And what are you going to do? You're going to flip that car or go into oncoming traffic. And in the end, when you veer, it causes more damage and even death than if you just steered straight ahead. Now, you can use your brake, okay? I told my wife, I needed to add that on there because some people are just going to stay on the gas, you know, and plow the deer up. You can put your brakes on. But here's the principle of that tonight. Oftentimes, when we have difficulty and adversity and tribulation in our life, our temptation is to get out of the way, to run away from it. But notice he says that we need to have patience in tribulation. Do you know why the children of Israel did not possess the promised land? Watch close. They veered. They veered. So what do you mean? Here they are, barreling on their way toward the promised land, and all of a sudden, <gasps> giants in the road. Giants in the road. We're outnumbered. There's more. They're bigger than us. We can't overtake them. You know what they did? They totaled out. The very thing, the very thing they were trying to avoid is what happened to them. Now, folks, the Bible is showing us something very important here, to be patient in tribulation. He said, well, what do you do? How do you be patient in tribulation? Well, understand this. The source of our strength to advance in the midst of adversity must be patience. The first one's hope. Rejoicing in hope. The second one is patience. Now, folks, I've told you so many times, I feel like a hypocrite for preaching on patience. Oh, that's a tough one. Oh, that's a tough one. The Lord sent a lot of people in my life to help me with that. Do you know what patience is? Patience, and some of you, patience is waiting while God's working. That's what patience is. I'm willing to wait while you're working. God, I'm going through this trial. I'm going through this tribulation. You said there's going to be tribulations. Jesus in John 16 says, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. Accept it, okay? Accept it. Don't avoid it. Because in your, in your haste to avoid tribulation, you get out of the will of God and miss out on what God was trying to lead you to. And so what do we have to do? We've got to learn to wait while God's working. Put it this way. We've got to learn to endure the education. Sometimes education has to be endured, doesn't it? I walk over to the school about every day. And you can see by the looks on their faces, they're enduring the education. My daughter, every day, Dad, can you pick me up early? I'm like, no. No. I'm picking you up early. I wake her up in the morning. Do I have to go today? Yeah. I try to give her a pause, at least a moment of encouragement. You know, maybe, oh, he's thinking about it. No, I'm not, not really. No, she really does love our school. And boy, I tell you, our school has a great spirit this year. I go over there and the kids, at least, at least they're hiding it from me if they're not living right because they seem to be doing well and they have a good attitude. And our teachers have a great spirit and are working hard with them. But you look at those kids, boy, and they want to go outside and play or get in the gym and play. They don't want to go back up to class. Educations have to be endured sometimes, don't they? Paul says, I want you to understand. What's verse 11 say? Serving the Lord. Sometimes in your service to the Lord, you're going to have to be patient in tribulation. Now, here's some encouragement I want to give you. So how do we do that? How do we be patient in tribulation? We remember what Romans 5.3 says. Turn back to the left and look at it. Romans 5.3, the Bible says something we need to remember. The Bible says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations. Also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience. Tribulation worketh patience. Why should I be patient? How is there a source of strength in being patient in tribulation? How can that give me strength? Because the Bible says in Romans 5, 3, 
that tribulation works patience. Have you ever felt like a tribulation was working you over? Ooh. You're, you're sitting back and thinking, Lord, I know you're not going to put more on me than I can bear, but uh, just reminding you, I think we're getting kind of close. And you feel like that tribulation is working you over and working you over and working you over. Can I tell you, Romans 5.3 says, tribulations are working for us, not on us. Think about that. When you go through a trial, you say, I'm in the will of God. I'm headed toward that promised land. I'm going the direction God's leading me in my home. And we're just going through this tribulation right now. And it's just working on me. No, it's not working on you. It's working for you. And it's going to make you listen who God would desire you be. That's why Job says, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. You know why gold's so valuable? Because it's so scarce. Everybody's saying, buy gold, buy gold, buy gold. Well, if you can't afford gold, you know, I don't know how much tinfoil is worth, but, uh, you know, stock up on tinfoil or something like that. Gold's rare. And oh, in the church today, gold's rare too. You know why gold is so rare? You know why it's so hard to find a golden Christian? It's because so often when tribulation comes our way, we're not patient. God works in the midst of tribulation, and you will find that your source of strength, watch, we think, you know what, I'll be stronger if I get out of the adversity. No, 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 you're stronger in the adversity. Why? Because God's working through that. Now, here's, watch how this works together. Verse, the first one says in verse 12, rejoicing in hope, and then the second one says patient in tribulation. Here's how this works. Rejoicing in hope gives you the strength to be patient in tribulation. You see how that works? If you're rejoicing in a hope, you say, you know what, I've got a hope, and I'm going to rejoice in that hope. I'm looking forward to that hope. It'll help you be patient in tribulation. But if you don't have the hope where it needs to be, you're never going to be patient. But if you can see past the tribulation, you're willing to wait on it. I had a, I had a picture in my mind of what my wife was going to be like. If you want to know what that picture looks like, she's sitting right here on the front row. Amen? Uh-huh. Some of you guys need to come to my swab school and I'll help you out. You won't be in so much trouble all the time. I had a picture in my mind of I was going to wait, keep myself pure, just wait. And God, you send her to me. God, you just send her to me. I'm not going to test drive everyone out there on the lot. I believe you're God enough to just bring her to me. If you could split the Red Sea, you can provide manna from heaven, you can heal the sick, you can heal the lame, you can raise the dead, then surely you could give a country boy a wife. I just kind of believe that. You know, and uh, I had this hope. Oh, I had this hope. And I'm looking down there, and I, I think I see her down there, and I'm just thinking, oh, all right, I'm just going to wait. And my friends started getting married, and my friends started having kids <laughs> and having more kids. And I'm looking, and my hope's kind of starting to dwindle a little bit, but she's still, I know she's still there. God says, just wait. Wait till my tribulation. Oh, it was a tribulation. And Lord, I mean, I had friends get married at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, and I'm here, I am 24 years old, so I have a wife yet. I'm thinking, gosh, you know, Lord, this is tough. Why are you doing this to me? But you know what I learned through that? I learned that I could trust him. And oh, that July the 9th, 2005, when she said, I do, much of the surprise of everyone else in the room, and I said, I do, oh, my goodness, can I tell you, the tribulation, oh, it was nothing. It was nothing in comparison to what I got, you see? I was rejoicing in my hope, and it helped me to be patient in my tribulation. If you're here tonight, and you're going through a tribulation, and you're like, man, I feel like I can make it through, I'll make it through, you need to rejoice. That's why he said in verse number 12, rejoice in hope, then watch patient in tribulation. Can I tell you, a lot of us are laboring right now, aren't we? 
or if you're not right now, you have. I think every one of us have probably labored at some point during this time, spiritually. But you know what helps you labor? Knowing it's not in vain. Do you know what that is? That's the hope. I'm rejoicing in my hope that my labor's not in vain. And I want you to know, God's keeping good records. I mean, look, God's nothing like the IRS. I did my taxes this week, and they're asking all these numbers and filling this blank. And I'm thinking, did we get it all right? I'm just hoping I don't get arrested. That's what I told my accountant. I, look, I don't care if I don't get anything back. Uh, I don't care about paying something. I just don't want to go to jail. I just feel like that would be a bad testimony for me to go to jail, okay? Uh, we can have a prison ministry, amen, but uh, I would rather preach by here uh, than by live stream from the prison, okay? God keeps way better records than, than, the, than the world does, and the IRS does. God's keeping an eye, and he knows what you're going through, and he knows how far you can go and how much you can take. Don't worry. Look, be patient in your hope. Why? Because when he's done and you see what he was doing, it'll be worth every moment of that tribulation. So number two tonight, how do we find a source of strength? Well, that's patience. Our patience is going to be the source of our strength. Romans 8, 25, the Bible says this, but if we hope for that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it? If we hope for that which we see not. People have asked me, you know, because you're a pastor, they think you're going to have the answer. Who's going to win the election? I don't have no clue, man. I don't have a clue. What's going to happen? Is this the end times? When you think, so? Is there going to be revival? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. There's so many things that I don't know. I can't see the outcome right now. I see the ultimate outcome of the Lord Jesus Christ coming back, and I'm looking forward to that. Between here and there, I don't have a clue. But you know what the Bible says, when I can't see it, I with patience wait for it. Wait for it. I want to encourage you tonight, if you're going through a trial, one of the greatest sources of strength, whether you realize it or not, is going to be your patience. Endure the education. Wait while God's working. You ever been to a mechanic shop? You get there to the mechanic shop and they ask, uh, let's say it's going to take about two hours. Do you want to go and do your shopping there at Walmart or do you want to just sit here and wait? And most of the time I go shopping and buy things that I don't need and my wife told me not to. But I still go get it anyway because I'm the man of my house and she's not going to tell me what to do. All right? No, I'm just picking. All right? You haven't seen me bruises lately, okay? You know that I'm just picking because I haven't been bruised up because of that. Sometimes, I look, I, you know, I don't have any money to spend. I don't have the time. You know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to sit here and wait while you work and I'm sitting there and I'm watching those guys who know what they're doing and they're taking the wheel off the car and they're changing this and they're doing all this around you know what I don't know exactly what they're doing but they know what they're doing and all that's required for me is to wait while they work now folks look God knows exactly what's going on he knows exactly what to do and what he asks us is to be patient in our tribulation let's just wait let's wait while he works Job said this Job says, when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Trying doesn't feel good, but Job says, I'm just going to wait on him. You read Job chapter number 42, it was worth the wait, wasn't it? When you saw what God did for him, Psalms 46, David says this, be still and know that I am God. Can I tell you, sometimes that's the toughest thing to do, isn't it? To be still. But you have to be still or be patient in order to know that he is God. So number two, what is the source of strength? It's patience. And then finally, look at the last thing. The Bible says in verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, and then continuing instant in prayer. So he says in verse number 11, serving the Lord by rejoicing in hope. And after that, you'll be patient in tribulation. But the th third source of strength tonight is probably the easiest, yet the one that we rely upon least, and that is simply continuing in prayer. 
continuing in prayer. Unfortunately, adversity is often a great motivator for prayer, isn't it? We don't pray like we should and like we could until adversity comes in our life. And that's when we realize the true power of prayer. But the sad thing is we could have been realizing that power of prayer long before adversity came there. I think I've told you this before. If I haven't, uh, you'll hear it for the first time. If I have, then just smile and pretend like it's a great story. Years ago, I had one of those Nokia phones. Remember those with the face plates? The cool kids had them. You know, and that's why I had one. And they clip on your belt, and they would swing. And you could put, like, the, your football team. You could put all the colors on it. It was just a great little green screen phone. And uh, when I would call home, there would be a little picture of a house. Uh, when I called 911, because somebody was going slow in the fast lane. No, not really. But if I ever had to call 911, uh, it would show emergency, something with a cross there. And if I had to call work or something like that, it showed a little factory with a little smokestack coming up. And I was pulling out of Regions Bank one day, and I was getting ready to call somebody. And the Holy Spirit just kind of stirred my heart a little bit. It says, if you had me in your phone, what would pop up by my name? Would it be a business call? Would it be a call that you only make on emergencies? Or is talking to God and having a prayer life the way it should be, is that just like calling home? You know, I talk to my wife every day. Every day, multiple times a day. Probably more than she would rather me talk to her sometimes. I mean, if we weren't married, she'd probably call me a stalker. I just enjoy talking to my wife. Man, I just enjoy fellowshipping with her. I told you Sunday when somebody else walks in the door and I thought it was going to be my wife and it's somebody else, it's just kind of disappointing sometimes. Why? I just enjoy talking with her. But how often is our prayer time and our relationship with God a business transaction? Or an emergency call. God, I'm in trouble. My child is sick. Or our finances. God, and now our prayer life gets serious. Can I tell you, the greatest source of strength that you could have in the midst of adversity that will help you continue to advance is to have what the Bible says in verse number 12, continuing in instant prayer. Abraham Lincoln said this, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom... And that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. President Abraham Lincoln. Notice the words he says here. Many times I have been driven upon my knees. As much as we hate adversity, can I tell you one good thing that often comes out of it is it drives us back to where we belong. And that's bowing humbly before an almighty God. If you want a source of strength to help you advance in the midst of adversity, it's going to be continuing in prayer. Now, think about this. I'm going to hurry and I'm going to finish, but listen close. In Acts chapter number 4, remember what was happening? Let's turn there real quick. we got time. Acts is near Romans, right? Old Testament. Where's it at? Don't agree with me, okay? You'll be embarrassed. Acts chapter number 4. Real quickly. The apostles are jailed. Peter addresses the Sanhedrin. The apostles are told not to preach. And finally they get out and they're preaching again. And notice what he says in verse number 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant it to thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. What is he doing? He's praying. He's praying. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness. Notice he's not avoiding adversity. He's not avoiding it. He's anticipating it. And he's asking God. He's continuing in prayer. Do you know you find anybody in the word of God who went through great adversity and you'll often find a common denominator of having a continuing prayer life with God. Think about, uh, think about Daniel. What the Bible say Daniel did as soon as he heard the decree, he went back to his house and he prayed when? As he did aforetime.
Daniel was continuing in prayer. What was his source of strength? Daniel, how do you keep on advancing in the midst of adversity? What's your source of strength? He had a continual prayer life with his father. He was staying in touch with headquarters on exactly what he needed to do. What was Job doing, by the way, before his trouble came? Job chapter 1, he was praying. Job was continuing in instant prayer. The most agonizing time that anyone ever went through on planet earth was Jesus Christ in the garden of Gethsemane right before his crucifixion the agony that he was going through in that hour and what did he do in Gethsemane he prayed he prayed what was Daniel's Job's and Jesus's source of strength they had a continuing prayer life and I fear tonight I fear so often prayer is a life preserver for us rather than that connection with headquarters that we need to keep doing what God's called us to do. John Rice said this, all our failures are prayer failures. I read that years ago, and I'll be honest with you. I thought that's a pretty bold statement. To say that all of our failures are prayer failures, and here I am at 40 years old, and I'm really starting to agree with him. And how often in my life I fail. Brother Breland preached a wonderful message the other day on prayer, and uh, I have to tell you, I was trying to hide my conviction, Brother Breland. Uh, we were talking about it in the men's prayer breakfast. My soul, how often do I react to a circumstance before I pray about that circumstance? You know, I've had a difficulty this week. I've had some things this week that I wasn't sure about what I was going to do. Immediately, I'm, ra- I'm trying to rack my brain. What do I do? What do I do? And Brother Breland's message comes right back. Why don't you just stop and pray about it? He says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. You think about that word instant, it means without hesitation. Without hesitation. What if we went to God as quickly as we go to Google? What if we did that? What if we went to God as quick as we YouTube things? I told Brother John, I think I told you Sunday, I'm trying to help my daughter in volleyball. I don't really think about it, so I just immediately started Googling on YouTube, figure out how, to, how, do, you, how do you play volleyball? We turn to that phone and we turn to that computer for the answers. And here our Heavenly Father so often, he's got the real answers to the real problems that we have. But we won't just continue in instant prayer. The other day my wife was headed home. And uh, I'm not uh, controlling or overshadowing my wife, but uh, she's the only one there is. And I want to make sure she's safe. And so she's on her way home. She says, I just turned on the Elks Lake. And she says, I'll call you when I get in the house. And I get locked in. I want her to be safe, you know. Uh, good wives are hard to find. The Bible says they're worth more than rubies, and so I try to keep up with mine, okay? You guys, you do what you want, but I keep up with mine, okay? And um, she says, I'll call you as soon as I get in the house. And I said, hey, why don't you just stay on the phone with me? Why don't you stay on the phone? Now, there is this twilight zone place over on Elks Lake Road. There's a little bridge there. Something creepy lives under that bridge. So how do you know? Because it kills my phone every time I go over it. There's something weird about a troll, radioactive troll, or Area 52 is over here. 51, maybe New Mexico, 52 is over here on Elks Lake Road. I mean, my drone flies over that bridge, and it blacks out and comes home. I'm not kidding. Something weird's going over there on Elks Lake Road. And I says, look, if I don't drop you, just stay on the phone with me till you get home. And so she stayed on the phone with me. She got in the house. I heard the alarm get set. She said, okay, I'm here. You see, I didn't want to leave it to any chances that, you know, she hangs up and there's some creeper in our carport, you know, and tries to kidnap my wonderful wife. I said, just stay on the line with me. Just stay on the line. We don't take any chances. And oh, if we just live that way with our Heavenly Father, why don't we just stay on the line with him? Continuing an instant prayer. 
Listen, let's be ready. First Thessalonians, what does the Bible say? Pray without ceasing. Keep the line open. Keep him on the line. Don't wait to call him for it's an emergency because in that time, you never know what it may cost you. Our Father wants us to advance in adversity, and he gives us three sources of strength. What are they? Number one, rejoicing in our hope. How do I advance in the midst of adversity? Hey, rejoice in your hope. Some of you tonight need to rejoy. You do. You do. You need to rejoy. Re, go back to where your joy began. The devil's got you so distracted by what took your joy, you forgot where you got it from to begin with. And you go back, you'll find your smile again. You will. You'll be walking around. You might even start whistling, you know. You might even start singing out loud in church rather than just mouthing the songs. Why? You're rejoicing now. Rejoicing is what happens when you rejoy. Go back to your joy. Number two, he says, be patient in tribulation. You say, how do I just grunt this thing out to keep going in the midst of tribulation? Well, go rejoy, and that will help you have the patience to wait on what you're hoping for. And then finally, continue in prayer. Let's make sure, let's make sure that if we fail, listen, that we fail forward, not backward. And we're going, listen, if we fall, let's make sure that in our fall, and we go through tribulation and difficulty, and we scrape our knees spiritually, let's make sure that we had God on the line rather than lay there on the ground and bleed to death spiritually because we had too much pride to humble ourselves before him. Tonight, folks, I believe with all of my heart that our hope is going to be worth whatever tribulation we have and will go through. But we're going to have to make sure our hope is where it needs to be, our patience is where it needs to be, and our prayer life is where it needs to be tonight. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Let's stop there. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. I wonder tonight if there's anyone else who's just like me, and over the past few months, you've labored a little bit. You've been laboring a little bit. It's been tough. This adversity is hard to advance in, and I feel like I'm getting weak. I don't know how much more I can go. Okay, there's a strength problem. What's the source of your strength? If the source of your strength is others and just staying busy, after a while those things are not going to be enough. The Bible says, if thou faint in the day of adversity, thy strength is small. How's your strength tonight? Let's revisit our strength before we leave here today. How's your strength? I'll give you three good ones real quick. Source of strength should be your rejoicing and your hope. It should be your patience. That you're going to wait while God works. Don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. Listen, endure the education of what God's trying to do in the midst of this adversity. And then let's continue in instant prayer. Without hesitation, let's keep that line of communication open with our Father as we navigate these times.